Welcome to the Chopping Wood Inside podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast for conspiracy theorists and aficionados. I am your host, Murphy, returned from the Black Lodge. I think my pal Tom's out there somewhere in the void. Is this Murphy or is this Dougie Murphy? I was just thinking the same thing. How do you know if I'm real or manufactured, my friend? I guess you're going to have to listen to my comments this episode and find out. So uh, I'm back from the dead. Uh, Feeling great. Actually got to catch the episode. Fantastic, Tom. I am so sad that I missed out, but man, the conversation I've been following on Twitter, I've had some other responsibilities with my daughter, but, uh, boy, this was like on par with part eight and, uh, completely, I just, I loved it in awe. Uh, where do you want to start today? Or just what, what's our discussion? Where do we go from here? Well, first of all, I just want to say that, uh, I was seriously considering, uh, making a Murphy Tulpa manufacturing you if you were unable to record this weekend. So I'm glad that I, 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 <laughs> Maybe you have, and maybe your conjuring, private conjuring's worked out. You never know. I could still be stuck in the lodge somewhere, so we're going to find out. I'm glad I did listen to your pod. You did a great job keeping the the ship afloat. Uh, It wasn't nearly as humorous as I would have liked, but I thought that the insights were fantastic. So great job, buddy. Great. So just cut me down and then give me a compliment. I love it. Great. Well, no, I think that's why I'm here. I'm here for the comedy, so I'll try to be as humorous as possible. Uh, But, uh, dude, where are we going to start? That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm interested to talk about this thing. Uh, I know you've got tons of thoughts. You've been talking to a lot of our fans on Twitter and Facebook, so in all the different forums and stuff. Like, what's the... You know, what's the big takeaway? I mean, the big one for me is like Sarah Palmer, dude. Is she mother? I think I felt like that was what we're seeing there. Um, And it completely freaked me out. Yeah, well, I first of all, I just want because we really haven't had a chance to talk a lot about the episode. We just uh, no, you and I have been completely incommunicado. Like we literally have been in other alternative universes the last week or so, or less than a week. So yeah, just dude. like perhaps our citizens in Twin Peaks. But I would like if you just give me a quick summary of your of your thoughts on Part Fourteen, and then we'll just kind of dive into various um, plot threads, and then eventually you know go into what we think might unfold in Part Fifteen. Well, I could give you, I mean, for the first time in my life, I was so compelled to actually take some notes so I can start talking about what I wrote down, which I've never done before in this podcast series. But um, first off, <laughs> I can get on a little soapbox here, but when the FBI uh, talks to uh, Truman, well, why doesn't anybody bother to mention the whole uh, Major Briggs thing? Because I still think Bobby needs to know that, right? Like, uh, what are your thoughts? And also, there's some other omissions in that conversation, uh, like the room key, for example, like what... What the hell's going on, man? We only got a few episodes left. I'm still feeling for Bobby. I'm wanting that scene. Do you think Bobby is ever going to find out that his dad's body has been d- d- rediscovered with no head? <laughs> I don't know. With only four hours to go. How could you leave that out? <laughs> I know. Maybe you'll see him. I mean, I don't know. I just think that's something that's important, right? And Bobby's such a good crier. I was waiting for that scene. No, I, I agree. You know, I, I posited that, you know, Major Briggs's head might turn up at Jack Rabbit's Palace, but unfortunately it did not. Um, but no, I think that that conversation, I mean, we started part 14 with Cole and Truman on the phone and we finally got the connection between, you know, the FBI investigation and Twin Peaks, but it almost ended as abruptly as it got started because Cole was like, 
thank you, you know, for the information. I'll, I'll you know, and best to Harry and then click. And then, you know, they, he goes back to uh, Albert's room and, and they discuss, you know, Cole's dream and other things. But I, 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 mean, I think that they're going to Twin Peaks eventually, but there's that quick little segue, that scene where Cole calls, calls the uh, Las Vegas FBI uh, headquarters. Oh, yeah. Stan from Mad Men has a great. That is amazing. <laughs> you this probably don't know that. We do the FBI. I did. That's one of the series I actually saw was Mad Men. It was fantastic. But uh, yeah, so I'm assuming they're going to connect Janie E and Dougie, or find them and give that information to the Blue Rose Task Force. But what I'm curious about, and which I really, what I really want to go into, maybe this will be our first real deep dive, is the revelation of Diane and Janie E being half-sisters. Yeah, I was texting you that. That was amazing. Uh, and it just seems totally appropriate because they seem like they really are. Uh, they could be complete, you know, half-sisters. Um, you, but since we've talked, you and I have talked, you've got some interesting theories about her um, in terms of like your, your theory back in the, a few episodes ago about the night that, uh, you know, uh, Cooper visited Diane and if that could have been tied to Dougie's manufacturing and that maybe somehow Diane was involved with that. And now that we know about Janie E's participation, maybe she too could have been involved with that. But what do you think that Janie E may be a doppel of some kind or a, or a manufactured creation too? It's possible because it just the the on the surface the revelation from Diane that Janie E's is, is her sister um, to the FBI. You would think that they would have some knowledge of her background. And it sounds like from Diane that, you know, she hates Janie E. They're estranged. And the idea that night that she mentioned um, in relation to Cooper or to Mr. C being so traumatic for Diane, I would think that it's possible that if there was this tulpa which was just, you know, revealed in this in this past episode. If there was this manufacturing of Dougie from the thoughts of Mr. C and that his master plan was eventually like, you know, whatever, 20 years later, however long it was, I'm assuming this happened years ago, like around 97, because there was no records of Dougie prior to that, that maybe Janie E is a tulpa of Diane. And that's why Mr. C went to her. So that whole reality of the life of Janie E and Douglas Jones and Sonny Jim is this, I don't want to use the word doppelganger, but they're not real. I mean, I'm not, we don't know that about Janie E, but I'm positing it. I just don't think that she is her sister and she called her up after so many years to show up at her house or to arrange some marriage with this guy that obviously never existed. So I think that there's going to be more to the actual Janie E character and it very well could be that she is a tulpa or a doppelganger. Well, that's very interesting. So I haven't read a lot about tulpas, but I know a little bit. So it's almost like that's group thought that can create or maybe a singular thought from a person can, can actually manifest a human or a doppel. Can uh, it also manifest like an entire community, like a Rancho Rosa type? I mean, even though they're not living in, but maybe the, the Lancelot Court area, you know what I mean? Like, cause, uh, sure. uh, are they living in a dream, like a pocket dream of it within a dream? Like, uh, I think all that's in play now with the whole tulpa stuff. You know, it really opens up a lot of different uh cans of worms like dropping that thing in episode 14 um what's the yeah, big takeaway yeah. from that like what do you think about the tulpa influence on this because obviously it's got to mean something really important because it's been you know laid out here well i think the the first thought for me when tulpa was 
you know, uttered by Tammy in relation to Lois Delphi, Lo, excuse me, Lois Duffy is related to Mr. C and the ring because the doppelganger that died in that motel room disappeared, which we know when Ray was, was shot and killed by Mr. C, the ring disappeared. Now he wasn't a tulpa. I mean, he, we don't think he is, but his body didn't disappear. I posit that perhaps what we're getting is some foreshadowing related to Mr. C because whoever Jeffries is, whether it's Philip Jeffries as we know him or an imposter, instructed Ray to kill him and then place the ring on him, which would have meant that Mr. C would have been returned to the Black Lodge. Now, if that is some kind of foreshadowing, that's a way to get Mr. C you know, out of our world and back to the Black Lodge. But it would be very interesting if that did transpire and it wasn't Cooper and Mr. C in some kind of struggle, but if Laura Palmer played a role in that, only because at the end of Fire Walk With Me, before Bob Leland killed her, she put on that ring. Now, the insinuation was that prevented Bob from possessing her. And... Bob Leland screamed like, no, and then that's when he killed her. And then Laura went to the Black Lodge. Well, what if Laura, in a role reversal of some extent, somehow played a role in returning Mr. C slash Bob to the Black Lodge? Uh, well, that's all very interesting. I mean, it's all getting over my head. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to get back into this. <laughs> that's really my goal, know. my friend. I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm just trying to think, like, is are we going to get a scene where Diane and Janie are in the same scene together next episode? Uh, very well could be. I mean, I think that here we are, you know, obviously only four hours and, and Vegas isn't wrapped up. We know that Chantal and Hutch are en route and going to go after Cooper. Now what we know about Janie E, and I talked about this on Sunday night, I just think it gives another layer of mystery to her character. And her role was kind of just defined as this housefrau who, you know, was tolerant of Dougie Cooper for so long and now they're living this fabulous life but if she is a tulpa or if she is complicit with diane and or mr c how is this going to unfold um here in the next hour or two because i can't imagine that the vegas subplot is going to bleed into the finale my gut is that the finale will probably take place entirely in twin peaks with maybe some other you know lodge moments here and there but um I don't know. I, I did talk to you a little bit about this before we started uh, recording that one of my thoughts perhaps is that Chantal and Hutch may succeed in actually killing Cooper. And if that is to happen, you know, his body, I mean, obviously he would be dead, but you had mentioned in an earlier podcast, and I don't know if you came up with this on your own, if you heard it somewhere, that the scene with the giant slash fireman in part one in presumably the white lodge that agent Cooper might be an agent of the white lodge. And if he was somehow to be killed, terminated and moved on to a higher plane where he became like a Laura Palmer, I'm dead yet I live and could somehow, you know, uh, travel whether it between the real world and lodges or maybe even become a spirit himself that to me is a little bit more interesting than just awakening and confronting his doppelganger mr c 
Uh, yeah, that's an interesting idea. That was John Thorne, the wrapped in plastic guy's theory, which I still do kind of believe oh, in. And that would make God. an interesting, uh, you know, twist in that, you know, the only way we're going to see Cooper come back is when he's already been killed off. Um, and that he could, don't you think Mr. C that would be pretty pissed off if he's been trying to just kill this dude off and, uh, turns out the rules have been changed again and he can come back. <laughs> <and play. laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I just... <laughs> but no, I like that idea. I think it's a really good idea. Um, I think it's interesting. It also would it be a disappointment to the fans seeing that Cooper's going to, you know, he's not going to really come back having coffee at all. Like, can you have coffee, uh, like, in the real world? Like, how, you know, he would only be able to reappear, you know, never really in Twin Peaks again in that theory, you know, as... Well, as we don't know. I, yeah, we don't know um, how, obviously, there's that unfold. scene, though, the one, you know, I think that he's going to... We, we know the one when he's driving in the car. That's the one where we don't know whether it's Mr. C or it's Dougie, but someone in uh, some sort of human form is going to show up in Twin Peaks, you know, whether it's Dougie or Mr. C. Yeah, or I have him. a whole thing. Yeah, I want to go into that a little bit later, but I, I want to kind of finish up with the Diane and, and Janie E aspect. With Diane in particular... Um, First of all, when we, when we first meet her and then when she has that great scene um, at the Yankton Federal Prison with Mr. C, we really feel that, you know, she is 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 completely shattered. You know, her boss, maybe her love isn't who she thought he was and she's going to go back to her life, you know, not knowing what happened. But she, t- you know, tags along with, with the uh, the Blue Rose Task Force. And as scenes unfold, we, we see her getting text messages. She, you know, memorizes the coordinates. She makes reference to Las Vegas. So, you know, we don't know exactly what her end game is. I still think she's caught in the middle. And I think that um, it's very possible that the whole Janie E aspect related to Diane and Las Vegas was part of Mr. C's master plan from the very beginning. And, and Diane is just kind of a pawn in this. And I think that her ultimate, um, I would say, like hope or uh, uh, role is to return, like get to, uh, you know, get Cooper you know, to somehow, you know, get Cooper to return or to find Cooper, because I think she really does believe now that the man that she saw is not Cooper. And the man who's been communicating with her isn't Cooper and that Cooper does exist somewhere. And I think that's what her end game is. So I don't think she's completely, you know, on the side of of Mr. C or, or Jeffries, whoever. Yeah, looking back on her performance, um, you could see like that there's a lot of guilt in her eyes. You know what I'm saying? Even looking at the, you know what I'm saying? That she may have misinterpreted this whole thing and that she's stuck in the middle of this. And she if maybe, you know, she got a little drunk, got a little high, you know, whatever. It's like Jim Morrison in the doors. Maybe she participated in a, a satanic ritual, you know, whatever. <laughs> Seemed like the right thing to do at the time. But now she feels guilt. <laughs> and she may have unleashed unholy terror on the whole world, you know. But uh, you know what? The whole thing about the lowest thing... That story was great. I loved it. The whole origin story, of the Blue Rose. But wouldn't you think like Dale uh, Gordon dropped the ball because he should have known? I would think with that backstory that when he saw you and I talked about this, you actually said it, and I agree with it. That like, why did he not notice that like, two Coopers? Well, duh, he should have known that like episode four because <laughs> the whole lowest thing. You know, he's already seen people, you know, doppels in the flesh and disappear and stuff. Um, I think Gordon may need to retire. I think he. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, retired to uh, French women in, in Bordeaux. Yeah, I I agree. I think that when he said the line in part four, it doesn't get any bluer. And what we know now about Lois Duffy, I think is directly related to doppelgangers and or maybe the uh, Owl Cave ring that he should have put together at that particular mo- moment that Mr. C was 
you know, manufactured or not the Cooper that he knew. But here it is. It seems like 10 episodes later, part 14, he's, you know, remembering that dream that he had, the Monica Bellucci dream, and hearkening back to, you know, the scene in Fire Walk With Me 25 years prior, and Jeffrey's line, who do you think this is there? And, you know, putting it together with Truman's message of, of two Coopers, and then Albert going, oh, I'm starting to remember this too. The only thing that I can really think about is that it's like maybe like a dream within a dream, that the reason why they haven't been able to put it together is they're living inside the dream, and whoever this dreamer is, because it doesn't really make any sense uh, that they wouldn't put that together um, right off the bat. I mean, they've taken like, what, 10 episodes to, you know, really get to the point where, um, oh, yeah, two Coopers and uh, and to go to Vegas. Yeah, I wonder how uh, Gordon's brain is thinking about the whole Tulpa thing. He's like, the ancient phrase or in the whole like uh, dreamers phrase from what is that from the Upanishads? Yeah. Do you think that he knew that line from the Upanishads before he remembered that in the dream? Because he didn't seem, seem like he already knew all about it. And like what that means, like, you know, who does he think is the dream? Like, what is it? Where's this? Is, I mean, it seems like this is going to, it could possibly fuck with the narrative completely in terms of like, you know, everything being some sort of dream state. But do you think Gordon has a clue? You know? Yeah, like, I do. I, I do. I think that now with, with, with this particular series and especially the last couple of episodes, the, the Cole character is experiencing some of the same things, scenarios that Cooper experienced in the first season um, related to uh, dreams and clues within dreams and being visited by certain characters, whereas Cooper was visited by the giant, Mike, you know, the man from another place. Cole is being visited, well, Monica Bellucci, we don't think she's a lodge spirit, but he had that vision of Laura Palmer. And it very well might be that the Blue Rose Task Force is imbued with some kind of special gift. And we know that Desmond certainly exhibited some of these characteristics in Fire Walk With Me. And we know certainly Jeffries, from his brief uh, screen time, had similar qualities. We certainly know about Cooper, and now we're getting it with with Cole. The only wild card in it is Albert. And uh, Albert is the most interesting of, 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 at least for me, like yeah. you know, because of what his role might be in well, this and dude, whole... how, yeah, how he responded, that phrase was really weird. Like, well, I'm be- he said, like, I'm beginning to remember that or something. Like, well, either you remember something or you don't. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? And are they just, this has been some latent, like, memory that they're just now, that that dream has now spurred or conjured within them, where they're going to have some realization? Or, like, what, what does that, that line mean to you? Well, no, for me, it, it means that there's something deeper within Albert. Cole's response seemed more like genuine, like, damn, you know, I forgot about that. And uh, he doesn't seem to have any kind of like mask. There's anything behind the facade of Cole. Albert has like this stone face and this, you know, this great expression. And there's so much going on behind the scenes. And his character is so fascinating. Just look at, you know, the evolution in the original series of being this just acerbic smart ass who winds up, you know, who winds up, you know, having this change of heart or revealing his change of heart to Truman, where his, you know, he basically has that great line where, you know, his, his concerns are global. And I love you, Sheriff Truman. Um, so I, for me, I just think that there's more of a, of, uh, a uh, conflict within Albert related to maybe Cooper's plight, Mr. C and or Jeffries, and that he has not been telling the entire truth to Cole. 
And uh, that goes back to your theory that Albert might have been, you know, part of that conversation with Mr. C in part two, um, the handoff um, from, you know, whoever Jeffries might be, which reminds me of the Lost Highway scene with Mr. Eddie and the mystery man when they handed off the phone to each other. <laughs> yeah. And there was that thing on Twitter that like David Bowie's voice was dubbed over by a dub, a, an actor in that scene. That was totally weird. It sounded almost exact. It sounded exactly like him. And then you wonder why they did that. And maybe you think like, they're going to, ha- he's going to show up. That voice actor is going to show up. It's, we're going to see Philip Jeffries again somehow. And that voice is going to be him. That crappy yeah, no, Southern accent. Why would they do that? <laughs> if they're going to dub over his voice, why don't you just give him a voice? You know, say this is not the crappy Bowie Southern accent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, uh, the guy I on think the, phone, the guy on the phone that talked to Mr. C did not have the crappy Southern accent. So in episode no, two. that was not no, Philip Jeffries voice. And yeah, I think that the only reason why they had a actor voice Bowie's line or, or dub his line was because we're, we're going to get a scene here in the next few hours of Philip Jeffries of maybe, you know, David Bowie, you know, a la, you know, Don Davis, Major Briggs in part three. I'm not saying he's going to be a floating head, but have some maybe ghostly apparition of Jeffries that has a dialogue with Mr. C at the Dutchman's. And this voice actor is going to um, you know, have dialogue that is new. The whole thing with the fire walk with me scene was that's existing dialogue. It was taken from an outtake, which Lynch included in the missing pieces. But for me, the only reason to do a voiceover of Jeffries is if you're going to have more dialogue, you know, at a future date. So I think that was a, uh, that was a, a big tell in my opinion. Yeah, and I think maybe the Dutchman is the giant, right? Because they're the fireman, because isn't he Dutch? I think I read that somewhere, that Carol struck the guy. Well, the actor, yeah, the actor is Dutch. But one thing with the uh, uh, the dream, which is a fascinating scene where Cole is just remembering it, and he's you know telling it to Tammy and Albert. I mean, he's telling us the dream, and we're seeing the images. Now, I always go back, for me, you know, watching all of Lynch's movies, like, you know, numerous times and seeing the, you know, motifs, the visual cues and the certain Lynch fetishes. There are two scenes with that are very similar, one in Mulholland Drive and one in Lost Highway. The Mulholland Drive is the iconic scene at the diner where the Patrick Fischler character is telling his friend about the dream he had about that place. Now, we never cut away to his dream. We just hear him telling the dream. And the payoff is when he goes behind Winkies and sees the bomb and has the heart attack and dies. Well, the scene in Lost Highway with the Bill Pullman character, um, Fred Madison, is in bed with his wife, uh, Renee, played by Patty Arquette. He tells her about a dream that he had. And like Cole, he actually... You know, voices tells her the dream, but he does. Lynch cuts away to his dream where we see the images. So I find it, you know, interesting because, you know, Lynch generally doesn't, you know, tell, you know, like uh, every once in a while we'll have the scene in Fire Walk with me, the Lil, you know, when Desmond and Stanley are talking in the car, like explaining something. Lynch rarely, rarely does that. So when I was watching that scene with, with Cole, I was, I, you know, and we flashed too, obviously his dream or whatever, but it, you know, it, it's, it's on par, obviously in some of his past works, you know, specifically lost highway. Yeah. And I also found it very interesting that like the dream with like the dreamer dreaming, the dream, all that stuff ties back into the, the fire walk with me. Like oh, if we could figure out that fire walk with me, Philip Jeffrey's scene, what the fuck that means. I think that's a big, that unlocks the whole, uh, you know, series, I think like, cause I mean, Cooper dreamt that. And that was how that season, how that scene started in 1990 in fire walk with me is he dreamt that entire thing and he was testing it out 
to see if it came true. Now we have Lynch dreaming that exact same dream that Cooper dreamed. Right, a you dream know, within so a dream. Like dreamer, yeah, dreamer dreaming. You know, so I'm thinking that somehow ties into this, uh, this the we are the dreamers thing somehow. I just well, don't know who was is the dreamer. And what does it well, matter? I, you know, like what does that even matter? I'm not really sure. <laughs> no. I don't know well, if I want the, to know the answer to that question. Is all I'm saying. Like if I know if we are who is the dreamer, you know, if it's not the giant, <laughs> I, you know, I don't I, I don't want it to be Audrey or Cooper or I don't want it to be any, like a person, a character that we know. You want it to be some new character? Yeah. Like, who would it be, do you think? Yeah. I don't, God? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. God, Bob? I, I don't know. I have no idea. But I, I'm not sure I want the... I don't, know, I don't know if I want that question answered. Well, what about... Okay, so just finishing up on the Jeffrey scene in Firewalk With Me, what was really the most mysterious part of that scene other than the, you know... Uh, revelation you know or the you know accusation of you know by jeffries pointing to cooper who do you think this is there what was really the crux of that scene right i feel like that's what it is maybe that jeffries was time traveling and he had gone into the future and he knew that cooper was going to be a doppel and that he was the same thing that was happening to cooper had happened to lois and that he was a part of the he was basically like a blue rose uh case who had somehow become a part of the fbi and that's what uh jeffries had come back to warn i guess lynch about well yeah but also but also judy yeah well he threw that in there but but no one knew what the fuck judy meant you know but um it felt like that 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 do you know who that is right there that is the reason why that's the crux of the scene He's revealing, he's exposing our hero as actually a villain or a future well, yeah. villain. Well, yeah. Well, you know, Doomed having, a, yeah, uh, having a premonition. Well, I don't think he had a premonition. I think he, like you said, was able to, like Major Briggs, you know, you know, travel in time forwards and backwards and living within this dream that he said, we live inside a dream. So he was able to recognize right off the bat that and I think that was the reason why he came there, but also to give a warning um, to Cole and Albert, who obviously are part of the Blue Rose Task Force, but to somehow tie it in with Judy and the Ring. Now, those are the well, we've gotten reference to the Ring, obviously, which plays a very you know important role, and I think will play an even more important role in maybe Mister C's eventual return to the Black Lodge. But there was no reference of Judy. In that scene. And I've always thought and hoped that we would get some kind of, uh, I wouldn't say resolution, but, you know, more to that particular character. And here we are 14 hours into it and we have it. And I'm starting to, to actually, you know, fear, worry that, that we very well might not, because it's just so she's for me, she's been, that character has been so fascinating because in the missing pieces goes into it a little bit more that, um, that, that above the convenience store, the scene that it cut to in Firewalk with me, where we saw Bob and, you know, the man from another place and all those other you know, spirits there was, you know, um, in Seattle at Judy's or he was at Judy's in Seattle. And she was also Maybe NATO is Judy. It's that, that if anything, I think that may, very well may be true that 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 character do we, do we want to call her NATO because I was calling her Naido. Is it NATO? I think it's NATO, but I don't know. But I think that that's what I think I've heard other people call her NATO, and I think that's how I would pronounce it. Now it could be NATO, but I think it's I think it's NATO. Um, but yeah, I think she could be Judy. You know, right? I think because she was making those monkey sounds, like you said, yeah. that the, that crazy Billy Zombie bastard was repeating, and so that's what the you know that's what Judy had a little monkey in her. So I think that's possible. By the way, yeah, that scene. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, NATO's been flying through many astral planes, right? She's had a hard day. And she lands, <laughs> I presumably, when she jumps off that astral plane satellite, that she's boom, because it was 10 1 at whatever, 253, when she yeah. jumped, and there she is appearing. So I think that she's jumped down there, and she they put her in jail with a bunch of insane lunatics. It's like, if I was her, I'd be like, this is the worst astral plane in the history of the world. Like, Earth sucks. I would not be happy. I, I would be ashamed if I was an Earthling to have presented our world to her <laughs> in that fashion. <laughs> Epic fail, I think, by Andy. I think Andy should have found her a private cell. What do you think? Yeah, I know. I agree. I think uh, something or someone is going to come after NATO. And you would think that maybe in theory, being in a cell might be a good place, but it's also the worst place to be no, if some no. spirit actually yes. shows up and she's unable yes. to, to leave. Yeah. So yeah, they I didn't see all the action at the bill at the Buckhorn police station with Bill Hastings in the cities and stuff. They don't know how it works. Yeah. I want to go into <laughs> I want to go with she's there it can't be good that's what I mean but they threw her in with a bunch of madmen and it really felt like that scene when <laughs> they were doing that chirping and it felt like Bobby and it was like the Black Lodge versus the White Lodge and a Bobby barking chirping off in the jail cell I thought it was like a I thought it was a nice callback yeah with Bobby and Snake or, or you know yeah. uh, with uh, James and the barking, other they were chirping <laughs> right, yeah. right. Like, well I think that that the clues and I'm assuming they are clues from the fireman to Andy tell a narrative um, that, you know, we saw unfold in part eight, like the first half with, you know, the experiment and the Bob bubble and the woodsman, but there's a period, there's a, a point I should say where it becomes contemporary and the, the images that we get are intercut with two scenes of NATO communicating with Andy. And I, I for me, the way that I, what I read into that was that the scene with, and it was so odd with Andy leading Lucy into this hall and yeah, Lucy having, scary. yeah, like, I, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, for, okay. So I don't know the significance of that, but what I think, and this is going to like open up a whole big, like, you know, can of worms here is that what we know about NATO, obviously from part three, that when Cooper did visit her, you know, and he was, you know, he was going up to that portal, that electrical portal number 15. And as soon as he got close to it, she sensed it and, and warned him. No, 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 no. She did the, the slitting throat gesture and got him out of the room and into the astral plane. And that's when she pulled the lever and, you know, and then got, you know, you know, pulled, you know, pushed or, you know, forced off it and down into the void and ultimately to like in Twin Peaks at 253 uh, on October 1st. But the fact that she presents someone who can possibly manipulate time somehow, because I think that's what she did. Because when Cooper went back into that room, it was a different room and there was a different girl. The American girl was there that maybe her presence in Twin Peaks is going to have the same effect. Now, I don't think that she's going to flip some kind of switch, but I think there might be something that will, you know, either fall in line of an alternate timeline or maybe a dream within a dream. Because when we did go back to Jack Rabbit's palace, when we saw Bobby Truman and Hawk, we saw several of their images, you know, uh, ghostly apparitions. I mean, they weren't apparitions. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then merge into one, like multiple identities. It, it made me think also of, 
the opening of, of Mulholland Drive where there was the jitterbug contest and you saw those swing dancers, but you saw like multiples, like doubles and triples of them or whatever. And we obviously know this is a motif in, in most of Lynch's work here. But I think that perhaps that Nido's or Nado's presence in Twin Peaks not only is greatly significant because that's what Major Briggs wanted Bobby Truman, Hawk, and Andy to find, but ultimately to somehow thwart Mr. C's endgame, which I think will ultimately lead to Twin Peaks, and it, and and we'll get into the whole mother aspect as well. If that's who is in, I mean, the experiment within Sarah Palmer. Do you think that it's perhaps if uh, Cooper had just jumped off that satellite after NATO that he would have just landed in Twin Peaks? They would have found him, and this entire story would be over. <laughs> like in a way, right? Cooper did not have the perfect courage in the Black Lodge. He fucked that up. He kind of fucked this up, I think, too. If he just jumped. Like even Indy Jones in the Last Crusade did the Step of Faith. <laughs> did you call him Andy Jones or did you say Indy Jones? Indy Jones. Oh, Andy. <laughs> no, um, no. I, I think that he would have. I think that obviously what happened. Now, whether that was predestined. Was that what he was supposed not? to do? Maybe he was supposed to do that the whole time. And then they came down and they all like shook their heads and went like, "Didn't have the guts to do it." Well, I guess you got to go here. <laughs> and his penance is the life of Dougie Jones. Yeah, yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, I, I that noticed that when Nato was there, I was like, oh, she just fell straight from there. And it wasn't like it was uh, such a bad ride. It probably lasted less than a minute, right? It had to land at two fifty three. Could have lasted <laughs> like ride. It's like a... <laughs> we well, I guess it could have lasted forever. You're right. <laughs> anyway, that, that just struck me. That's all. Sorry to distract you. Yeah. No, no, not at all. What do you think about? Um, and I thought about this after the last episode. Margaret, the log lady, her log obviously is, you know, a special log and she receives messages from her log. And I, I like always thought him deputy log. <laughs> That's right. I've deputized, <laughs> deputized the log. Yeah. No. Um, log. What if, cause I always thought that perhaps since we know Margaret's husband uh, died in a fire. Now I think there's been some retconning with her husband's, I think he was like a lumberjack in the original series. And I think in Mark Frost's book, he was a fireman, which is interesting, fireman. But, you know. I didn't know that. I forgot about that. that. I didn't notice that change. That's interesting. What if, since now we know that the giant, the fireman, has been giving clues not only to Agent Cooper, now to Andy, now to Freddy. What if, and we know that he is unique to, well, not unique, but has a presence in Twin Peaks, specifically this location near Jack Rabbit's Palace, this wooded area. What if the log that Margaret took from that Douglas fir the night that her husband died, or maybe soon thereafter, the spirit that's within the log where it's is talking to her is the fireman. Yeah, or I was thinking her husband may be the fireman, or the fireman may have inhabited her husband, or that the log may be the fireman, or that I would love to hear somebody in the Black Lodge or like the fire someone to go, I am the log. I would like that. I like that one. <laughs> well, what about because remember in the original series, this the the episode where Cooper and Truman and the log lady went to the roadhouse. The the the, the episode where Leland is revealed to be you know, Bob and, and, and the killer of Laura and ultimately Maddie, when Margaret goes to the sheriff's station, she says, we don't know when or where, or we don't know when or how, I can't remember exactly what she says, but she says after that, there are owls at the roadhouse and they go to the roadhouse and then they see the giant. And for me, I've, I've seen that episode many, many, many times. If you look at Margaret, it looks like she's also seeing the giant 
and she's touching the log in a way. So that's another, you know, after seeing this episode, and I don't think we're ever going to get an answer, but I just, I just wanted your thoughts and if you thought that was a possibility. Well, the fireman is shaped like the log. He's tall and skinny. He doesn't move much, you know. So he's got a branch. He likes to lift his long arm up and put the branch up and put it down. I like, it. I like the idea. I think it's very interesting. Well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Jackrabbit's Palace a little bit. What did you think? Because uh, you know you weren't unable you were unable to see the episode until like very late on Sunday night, and I gave you per your request. I did not give any unsolicited spoilers or clues. What did you think? When Andy, A, went with Truman, Hawk, and Bobby, and B, when he ultimately was the chosen one to receive these messages. Um, Well, I laughed at first, but I thought it was – obviously, they were leading it up because they kept showing Andy and the whole thing. So you knew it was going to happen. All right. Obviously, if you were predicting that, I was like – laughed, but I also was amazed. And I thought that was a fantastic scene and an amazing choice for them to use Andy um, and finally clear all doubt about whether he was corrupt or a complete moron or duck into consumerism and spending all of his money on chairs and Rolex watches that he really does have a pure heart. And uh, I found it interesting. I found it uh, just a great choice that he and also Freddie later on, these two misfits were, uh, you know, chosen ones. They're not the the way the heroes normally look, but it looked to me like he got the full download and he wasn't... uh, you know, asking questions and talking. He was just sitting there taking it all in. And it was, and you know, he only kind of freaked out there towards the end. Once he got the full download, he was kind of go, <laughs> and then he went away. But I thought it was, dude, and was that like a genie bottle in his hand? It looked like a genie coming out and then coming in. Uh, all the smoke. I wondered like what the role that played and whether all the information that he got came out of that bottle or it like the two like portholes look like eyes, like the eyes of God coming down, you know, because I don't think, the log or, or the, the, the fireman or, you know, Margaret Lantern's husband or whatever it is, is God. I think the fireman is like a, you know, like a, you know, he works for God, the guy upstairs. And so, hey, he has to look at the portholes and maybe he was looking at the eyes of God there. Well, a couple of things. The first thing I want to mention, and I'm going to go back to that real quick, but when they were looking up at the vortex, which was very similar to the vortex at the zone in Buckhorn, that in Buckhorn, when the image within or the light within or the color within became more apparent and grew. Um, it was black. And that's what Cole like went in briefly and saw the woodsman on that staircase. Well, here near Jackrabbit's palace, that image was very similar, but it was white. It was the opposite of that. So we know that the, the zone is uh, another dimension, another parallel dimension. But I think that for me, at least, even though we have no, we've had no mention of the White Lodge, I think that's confirmation that this is the White Lodge that we saw. I think so too, and just by the fact that my heart was like, skip, like did you did you feel that feeling? Like when it came when it was happening, I felt like I was looking into the White Lodge myself, and uh, I feel like it's got that energy that it is the White Lodge, and it's the place that Major Briggs, you know, I guess uh, has been searching for his entire career uh, with the Air Force, right? That's what he was looking for. And he found it. Well, yeah, they're they're uh, monitoring deep space, um, all that space garbage. But that message that he delivered to Cooper in the second episode of the second season came from the woods in Twin Peaks. And yeah, so I like that idea that you thought that he sent that message to himself right. through the portal. You know what I'm saying? Even when he was saying maybe Cooper Cooper in the zone with Matthew Lillard, that Cooper Cooper could have ended up, he could have said it one more time and maybe ended up on, uh, you know, through coming out through the portal at Jackrabbit's Palace and into Major Briggs's uh, way station alpha, whatever, listening. And that's how, that's a great theory. I think that's true, dude. 
Yeah, and I think it'd be also very um, interesting, too, is that if, if Briggs did go in there after that fire at Listening Post Alpha um, and uh, maybe also had a scene, visited the giant who perhaps, if he did, would give him some clues. But how did B- Major Briggs wind up in Buckhorn in that particular, in the zone? Or, you know, maybe that's what he was doing is he was jumping through, you know, portals or maybe going to all these different locations. And then maybe that's why his fingerprints are at so many different crime scenes because the people were following him, whether it was Mr. C or Woodsman, you know, because that's one mystery we haven't had solved is why his fingerprints showed up, uh, you know, at so many different crime scenes over the past 25 years. And it could be just a thing where he was jumping from like portal to portal and trying to elude, you know, the baddies, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Doctor Who running from time to time, like with the Daleks or Chase, it's the same thing. I like the idea. That's that makes perfect sense. Well, another thing I want to ask you, and I, I don't know if you, this is what you were talking about, or you were talking about the skylights above Andy, but do you remember he was, he was holding something that just automatically or suddenly appeared? Yeah, that genie bottle oh, thing, that, that little, whatever that was. Was it a bottle? That was. It looked it like some kind of Tedra, kind of, some kind of genie. Well, it was like an angular box of some kind, but it had that little like funnel that reminded me, and the smoke coming in and out of it, it reminded me of like a genie bottle a little bit and that the smoke was emitting maybe this force um, but I don't know what that uh, symbolized because you know, okay. I thought he was getting all the download from from upstairs right but but I think it was related to that smoke because it was it was it was billowing in the room and then it seemed to um, shoot up above and then that's when the skylights appeared and then when the images ceased that the smoke uh, receded or you know into that object he was holding but do you- maybe it's like heavenly like pe- pebble smoke from the vatican or something you know what I'm saying? maybe <laughs> right. it's like smoke of you know because like in the lodge you get fire and all kinds of shit flying out of your head and guts and stuff you know maybe up here it's like you know heavenly delicious smoke and fog right. of knowledge because he ended up coming out of the lodge completely enlightened dude and like a changed man so maybe that had he had to breathe all that in breathe it in man well yeah but remember that um interview that and co- become a god Andy is a god. god. Not the god, but a god. What is his superpower? I thought I was saying, did he get a superpower like uh, Freddy Sykes? I think his superpower is just like you said, like pure heart. And I think that's the whole reason why he was either chosen or he was, you know, uh, you know, plucked to you know, receive these clues. He's by. also brave. And yes, he's compassionate. You know, he's the first one to come to NATO's rescue, even though I don't know why he didn't drop a blanket on her, but that's cool. They're a little distracted. Um, but uh, yeah, so he was the first one. He's well, the heart. Doesn't the giant, or excuse me, doesn't um, Hawk, or no, excuse me, I think it's Major Briggs in the original series, I think said that uh, love and fear opened the gateways, fear to the Black Lodge and love to the White Lodge. And Andy, I think, embodies like pure love. I mean, I think Hawk is like spirit, yeah. very spiritual. That's interesting too to think about like that one phrase I think was his worst fear was that love is not enough. Right. You right. know, in the fi- and so I always thought like when I was a romantic little teenager, I was like, oh, that's so true, man. Like, you know, what if it's not? But now I think like that was, he wasn't talking about like love between a man and a woman. He's talking about like love as like the light and the, the portal, like the white lodge versus you know, hate and that he's, you know, inevitably that the lodge would lose out because love is not enough. Right. That darkness overcomes the light. Well, the, just to go back quickly on that object that Andy was was holding. Do you remember that interview that Kyle McLaughlin gave, I think, right before part eight? And he said something like when they were on set, there was this delay Lynch was building something that we were going to see in the next yeah. episode or something. And there was nothing in that episode that we could really 
think that would take a lot of time to kind of construct. And I also thought like, well, how did McLaughlin know that it would be in this particular episode? No, well, he did read the entire script. So, so maybe, but I was thinking maybe this was the object that Andy was holding, that this was some kind of weird Lynch woodshop creation that he wanted to get just right. And maybe took a little time because I still don't know what that thing is. So I wanted to you know, throw that to you. Do you think that that a that might be? Yeah, it? I mean, think of it this way. I think that's interesting because really, I feel I feel like obviously that scene is like an extension of episode eight. I feel like fourteen is like the bookend. To, if you want to jump to the other episodes, <laughs> jump right from eight to fourteen. You could use those as great double features. So I do feel that's a good that very well could have uh, maybe been intended for eight, but then cut into this somehow. I don't know, but I think you're right because I couldn't think of anything unless it was the CGI bug. <laughs> right, but yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. No, yeah. yeah, or the crushed head, or I don't know. But uh, yeah, I like that idea because it does look like. Mr. Lynch spent a lot of time on that thing and that maybe we haven't seen the last of it somehow, or maybe we have. No, I, well, yeah, we, we probably have, but I like your, your theory on the, the book ending because especially if, if like they were shooting that, uh, in some kind of, you know, chronological order, you know, on location, you would think that the scene that McLaughlin was shooting in that location, um, where he was in that same room that Andy was, they probably shot that roughly at the same time. Right before, yeah, right, right before, after yeah. whatever. So, so that's going to recreate that scene twice. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Well, also, okay. Do you tell me? Okay, because when I watched, dude, what did you wait? One more thing about NATO's little area, his little hard little hole. Didn't it look like like that little Garmin Bozia like like area where it used to have like pain and suffering in the black scorched engine oil? It almost was like smelting material for golden orbs. Like if you make some golden orbs out of that shit, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like I what it kind of felt like felt golden orby. Yeah, no, I like the exact opposite of the scorched engine oil. It was like, I mean, it wasn't white, it was gold. And we know that the gold, and, and so far in this series, has symbolized, you know, obviously uh, the Laura Palmer, like light, you know, goodness, the golden shovel, shovel yourself out of the shit, you know, all this kind of alchemy that we've had in, in various doses here and there subtextually. So, yeah, I think it's, and also the one sycamore tree as opposed to the 12. Yeah, the one. Yeah. yeah standing by Bobby. I noticed that. That was very interesting. Yeah, so it's almost it such a great. Scene, it man. Really, I mean, really, that was. I feel like this episode is the one I could watch on repeat because really, it's like the mystery of eight and the majesty and just the shock value and amazement of that. It, you really can't top that. But this is almost a similar vibe visually, and the, but it's giving you the character and it's it's filling in the blanks and it's basically saying everything that we've been curious about. We weren't sure if it's going to tie up. It feels like they've got everything meticulously planned, and we're seeing it all un, being unveiled and wonderful fashion and it just made me smile and laugh and scream in terror like just this episode dude i i completely agree one thing i want to talk about with um relation to the clues that andy received from the firemen you know via the smoke the one image of mr c and cooper because when i watched it didn't for me it looked like cooper it didn't look i mean it was cooper but he looked terrifying yeah he was like mr c cooper he was evil Maybe that's it. Maybe that's just giving him a clue that Mr. C is going to show up looking like Cooper because it didn't look like Dougie. Obviously, it looked like evil Cooper dressed as Mr. C in a weird way. Um, it was terrifying. Ding. Was that's exactly, exactly what I think, that all of these images represent a series of clues. And it all ended with that shot of the number six electrical pole you know, which we now know is in Twin Peaks. It comes into color too. It comes, turns into color. So it's really giving Andy that clue. Right. Like, go look there. I think that is, I think that that there is going to be some massive 
electrical surge because we also saw in those series of clues this one shot of these electrical wires like just traveling like really fast like it was almost being shot from a car driving down a lost highway so to speak and that always for me uh, signified the spirits traveling uh, whether it's you know through portals the elect you know the ceiling fan in the palmer house that what the clues that we were we were being shown with the experiment and the woodsman traveling via the elect- electrical wires and it being connected to Cooper, Mr. C, and Laura Palmer because we did have the, the shot of Laura Palmer and then culminating with that shot of the electrical pole. Like that is where the shit is going to go down and there's going to be some kind of huge electrical surge. Now, it leads into what I'd like to talk about next is – the Sarah Palmer scene and the possible, um, I wouldn't say theory, but Wait, first, do you think Thomas Edison may have been visited by the lodge? Cause he created electricity or whatever. <laughs> like, didn't he have some, maybe who, who we blame for this. Did, <laughs> did, did Edison create electricity or was it Tesla? Those who did, I have no idea. Tesla is a test. Ooh, Tesla could have been fucking. Oh yeah. Maybe he's a lodge. Tesla's theory. far more fascinating than uh, than Edison. Yeah, I like the Tesla idea. Yes, yeah. that's very interesting. And it, Sorry, uh, let's talk about Sarah, though. I don't want to go off a rabbit, in with, rabbit hole with that. But uh, Well, tell me about what you thought about that scene at Elk. I think, is it Elk's Point number nine, like bar or, or lodge or whatever? That, yeah, like the ninth concentric circle of hell or something. I don't know, man. It freaked me out, and I knew something was coming, obviously. And you sent me a text, and you kind of spoiled it a little bit because it was the end of the episode. Thanks a lot. But you uh, asked I for was. It, my friend, you <laughs> asked for it. Well, you sent me a text of just Laura. You said, This happens, not Laura. And it was just Laura's face coming off. So I knew the face was coming off. And uh, but what came behind it was absolutely terrifying, um, freakish. That smile from hell, that evil face. It felt like a little ghostly image of a, a visage behind that hand with the dead ring finger from hell. Like what the fuck, dude? It had to. I think it's the the mother, like the mother's fucking revenge, which is showing, which is basically great because we've been talking about this this misogynistic thing that's been going on throughout the entire series. And this has really been like a masterclass in misogyny. And here we are getting mother coming in to show, you know, everybody how it's done and to get some revenge for all these, these jerks like that guy who definitely had it coming. Um, and you mentioned that that actor was, was in Firewalk with me playing another trucker who solicited Laura and presumably had sex with her. Like, dude, if you think about it in that context, if he's the same character, that that's fucking like Mother's Revenge, dude, on fucking the, the ills he did not only to her at this bar, but to his, her, his daughter, her daughter 25 years ago. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I haven't confirmed. Great scene. I haven't confirmed oh. that with the, the, I think that's the cat, but I haven't looked in the credits because I know that actor is in the series and I don't think he's appeared yet. And I put that together, but I could be wrong with that, but it would be cool if it was. Dude, it really was great. And Grace Zabriskie just, man, I'll eat you. And then the way that look on the, you know, you don't want to fuck, you really want to fuck with this is like one of the, I mean, that is like Emmy worthy. Like I think Grace Zabriskie is now an Emmy conversation with that. Uh, and on all the other scenes, she's just blown she's behind, uh, you know, comma Glock. And I think she's number two on the Emmy category. If anybody had any taste. <laughs> the votes. <laughs> I think Lillard. I'm not sure about that. I think uh, Jimmy's still up there. Lillard, Dern, Zabriskie, Kyle McLaughlin, and maybe Naomi Watts. Those five right there, I think, are definitely worthy of uh, some uh, accolades when it comes to when and when Emmy time comes comes around next year. Well, and Lynch too. I mean, he's got to have it sewn up, right? As the director, he directed 18 of these fucking episodes. Like most people that win, win like direct one or two or three. Oh, you know I think I mean? yeah. He's, like, no one. Direct- 
yeah, he's you know, we're going to do a specific podcast on Emmy night. Well, you know, next year when it comes, well, I don't know if we will, but uh, we should. Uh, well, it felt like Emmy night watching that scene and it just fucking terrified me. And uh, dude, it made like, is she, what does that mean? Has she been just, is she possessed by the mother? And how, how and if not, has, how long has it just been going on for now? Or how long has this shit been going on, dude? It freaks me. I mean, was she, a, you know, complicit in lore? I mean, to, to have the mother be so dark and the daughter be so light. Um, it just, I can't really, I can't figure it out. Cause I was looking at Sarah as a victim and she ain't no victim now. Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think that whatever is inside of her has been inside of her, um, for a long time. I know that I think some people speculate, and I think we even speculated in part eight that, you know, we want to do a tribute that, that little girl who, you know, the bug went into her mouth. We wanted to put a character that we know to that, that little girl. And there's only so many that we can because it was in 1956, but if that was Laura Palmer, or excuse me, if that was Sarah Palmer, then that means that she's been like, you know, infested or, you know, uh, a play, there's a host within her for all these years. And, and when Laura was conceived and I just, I just don't buy it. And I, I still think that episode is self-contained. I think it, it, it has some subtext to it, to some of our, you know, plot threads in, in our story right now, but I don't think it's completely related to an actual character at all. But the actual thought for me with now seeing Grace or Sarah Palmer, you know, as the complete opposite of Laura taking off her face and having like the dark within her and very well might be the experiment. I went right back and rewatched part two, which I think I've probably watched more than any other episode because I just think there's a, a bounty of clues in that particular episode. But the line that we keep going back to with Jeffries and um, Mr. C was, you know, you're going back in tomorrow and I'll be with Bob again. But before that, in the beginning of the conversation, and Jeffrey says, I missed you in New York. And then Mr. C replies, oh, you're still nowhere. But the line, I missed you in New York, I thought meant, okay, Jeffrey's or whoever might be, you know, um, uh, an imposter of Jeffrey's, if that's, if that's possible. Um, if, if, if that's the case, I thought maybe there would be a meeting in New York between the two of them. But what if it's not that at all? What if his I missed you in New York is related to that glass box monster missing Mr. C or Cooper? Because they still are like inexorably tied together. And if the experiment is somehow subtextually, you know, a part of that conversation and wanting to be with Bob again, because we know from that scene in part eight, which we've seen, I think, three times now of the experiment spewing, vomiting this like umbilical cord with all the eggs and the Bob bubble. So the Bob coming from the experiment. See, I always thought the line, I will be with Bob again, meant, you know, the host parasite, whether it was Leland or Mike, because we know that, you know, they were, you know, Mike and Bob were familiars and Leland was host to Bob. But what if it's like the experiment wanting to be with Bob again? Because we know Mr. C wants what's ever on that playing card and we're assuming it is the experiment. So that really kind of made me reevaluate 
um, that whole scene. And it also ties into something that I just told you, the one shot that we got of Tammy giving the um, photograph, showing the photograph of Mr. C and that mysterious character in New York in front of the glass box. I think that for me confirms that Mr. C is the anonymous billionaire and that we're not going to go back to New York City at all. We're not going to have any more scenes. And the housemans that were referenced in uh, part one with Ben Horn, the, you know, the, the people from New York, I, I, I think that's kind of a red herring. But I think that what I was just discussing with Jeffries and I will be with Bob again and I missed you at New York might be related to Mother. And now if the experiment Mother is in New or in Twin Peaks within Sarah Palmer, then Mr. C is en route. And the only way to stop that, I think, would be you know through NATO. I think that's the reason why she's in Twin Peaks right now. Yeah, dude, it feels like a Grindel and Grindel's mother type situation going on here, right? They're conjuring each other, even though I always thought that Cooper or Mr. C wanted to be with mother and that mother wouldn't want to be with Bob or Bob would want to be back with mother. Mr. C would want to be back with mother, but the mother would not want to be with Bob again because mother is the all knowing. I mean, they would, but they aren't going to be like seeking out Bob. They will be wait to be, to you know, because parents don't want to come visit you. They want you to come visit them. Well, they don't I want to call you, you know, they want you to call them, you know, so, uh. But I think it's, I mean, that's a great idea. And we know, or we think at least that Mr. C is going to be showing up the Palmer doorstep at some point, right? So that ties in if he's going to knock on and see mom's house. He's going to mom's house. Well, no, I think that that's obviously, I think everything we know is converging on Twin Peaks. But I don't think the idea of Mr. C wanting to be wanting, you know, whatever that symbol is on the playing card, if it is the experiment, I don't think it's like a reunion. I think it's more of a manifestation of evil, like, because that's what- Hellgate? Well, I think it's the ultimate like destruction. Can you imagine, dude? Okay, we've seen two portals already. Like, what does the portal inside Sarah Palmer's house look like? Black and red, and just full of ooze. It's probably even <laughs> uglier than the zone. Well, it's the ceiling fan, right? Isn't that the portal? I don't think there's a vortex in the house. Well, no, but it'll open up. But it's, I'm just saying, if some kind of vortex opens up, we've seen how it looks in the you know Jackrabbit's palace in the woods. It looks beautiful, all floral, and it's got a positive white light to it. Um, the zone we saw had been tainted uh, by the woodsman, had a blackness into it with all kinds of weird shit, but not totally terrifying. I could see it being the portal inside Sarah Palmer's house being full of eight million spirits of the damned, like swirling around screaming, like <laughs> some <laughs> horrible, really bad portal, like maybe the worst. I think it's the hub. I Especially think they combine forces. Yeah, they combine forces. Mom and Bob show up and. Ooh. Well, I Didn't think you have a tattoo of mom and Bob. Do you have a tattoo of mom and Bob? Because I'm not sure that you may have predicted this. Your tattoo guy. No, it was mom and, and wow. Remember when I would do the, the upside down? Yeah. Uh, wow, wow, mom, wow, instead of wow, Bob, wow. But um, no, I think that the Palmer house is obviously a hub of some sort. And I don't think uh, Sarah has been, you know, host to this, this evil for a, a great period of time. I think it's been relatively recent. And it's also very tragic, obviously, because of obviously the Sarah Palmer's, you know, adult life, the events obviously with, with Leland and Laura. So it just adds another element to it. But I think also, which I said earlier, is that that electrical pole is going to play like another significant role into whatever is going to um, appear in Twin Peaks. And I, I think it very well might be related to um, the woodsman or some other lodge spirits. We know that the jumping man, that mysterious character in Fire Walk With Me is going to show up somewhere. I doubt that it'll be in Twin Peaks. I think we're going to get some more lodge scenes, especially in like the Black Lodge and very well might be in the, the White Lodge. But I just think that um, that, that, that the, the Sarah Palmer like storyline, I think is 
obviously it's more interesting now because of what we've, you know, what's been revealed with Sarah. But do you think that there's going to be like a redemption to, for her character or some kind of sacrifice that she's going to somehow maybe. Oh man. Yeah. See, that's what's the saddest part of this is I really hope so. You know, I want Sarah to have some redemption and just have some peace. Even if she, maybe if she's going to be doomed and has to like, you know, and be inhabited by this horrible creature that, you know, eventually her soul will be relinquished. If, if Coop or whomever can come back and smite her Freddie with his glove, smite her into hell. So I hope so. That would be a bleak ass motherfucking ending for Sarah Palmer, man. Like worst life ever. That should be on her tombstone. If that happens. Worst life ever. <laughs> well, it ties into my whole, um, like putting like this, this whole like narrative together and the Twin Peaks community. I mean, the storylines that we've, you know, that we've seen in Twin Peaks. And I think I've talked about this before have felt more like the Deer Meadow sequences in Firewalk with Me. Now we know Deer Meadow was basically, you know, kind of the polar opposite, the inverse of the Twin Peaks that we knew. Like everything was like on the surface of, of like, you know, on the surface, you know, it was darker. The characters weren't, you know, as as you know, folksy, and uh, it was just it was the doubling. Lynch really, really played that up in Firewalk with Me. And here in the series, like for most of our characters, not all of them, you know, are they're they're, they're the you know, 25 years, the intervening 25 years, their, their lives haven't turned out, you know, how, you know, maybe they hoped it would and how we hoped as an audience they would. And we just saw Big Ed still pining for Norma and looking and maybe seeing like his double. And we've seen like Bobby, you know, I'm not saying he's being cuckolded, but, you know, he still pines for Shelly. You know, his daughter is, you know, going through, you know, maybe some of the similar things that Laura did. It's all, it's really this kind of manifestation of the darkness that was under the surface in the original series. And now we have Sarah, you know, who was this, this, this gifted, you know, she was this, the seer at the very end of the first series. Clearly she's a damn. Well, well now, now, but at the end of the first series, she went to, <laughs> she went to major Briggs and the double R to give him a message that, you know, Wyndham Merle was in the black lodge with Cooper. Oh. Yeah. Now she's, so my thinking is, is that, that the whole, idea what we thought we were going to get originally is kind of on par of the original series like another mystery and yeah we might have other you know storylines in different locations but we're going to primarily focus in twin peaks and get to know our characters again and you know maybe cooper and audrey will reunite and you know all these things blah 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 obviously it hasn't but it seems now like we're working into a place where maybe with these events that we're seeing with the doubling and the the parallel universes, especially with the Truman, Bobby, and Hawk at Jackrabbit's Palace, that something is going to happen, and maybe the reality that we're seeing right now is, you know, an alternate reality, and something's going to flip the switch, or the ultimate confrontation between Cooper and Mr. C, and, you know, with Laura in the middle, might somehow change events and bring things like whole again, where that the final two episodes, the finale might be on par of like what we saw in the original pilot and things might like what I'm saying is that if if things like flip like turn on its head if we see like a different reality it might be for the better instead of you know for the worse and we might see like actually Ed and Norma together we might see that Harry's not sick we might see Bobby and Shelley together you know we might see like you know James reunited reunited I don't want to see that <laughs> I don't think I'm 
always a skeptic, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> I want a darker story. It's already so fucking dark. I wouldn't mind if they end dark. I want. I don't want Cooper to go be trapped in you know nightmares or Grace Zabriskie and characters to be. But you know, to have a rewrite and a whole. Make it all, oh, everything's great. We flip the switch. Like, okay, let's go have some pie. That, that's probably not going to happen. No, no, we're not going to get that. But what do you think? I mean, do you think that, like, if if the events... What they would do if they flipped the switch and it was suddenly the good universe, that something would go bad in that good universe as well, and that would be the end of the series. Uh-oh. Well, the, you can't escape the wild card in all of this is Laura Palmer and her eventual return. We know she's coming back. I mean, she's alive. You know, I mean, she, I mean, she's dead, but she, she, she lives. We know obviously all of these, these clues that we've gotten in, 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 you know, various episodes that she is going to play an important part and returning to Twin Peaks, you know, in all likelihood, what that means. So don't you think that since she represents this, this powerful light, this, this goodness, this antidote to evil, that not only will she play a role in, you know, maybe the, um, the expulsion of Bob or, you know, Cooper's, you know, return to, you know, his identity, but also the actual community because her death represented like the, the kind of the ultimate really kind of breakdown of that community. And it really hasn't recovered and if she she somehow returns as this angel or Christ like figure, I, I don't want to put it on that terms because it's it's just too, it just it has. I mean, why not? They did in the last episode. There was angels floating on the well, side of Laura's face, and the guy, and the, that was awesome actually with the red red curtains. That was behind cool, it. yeah. It was but scene. that 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 yeah. she is the answer to repairing, you know, the darkness that's within Twin Peaks. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've been waiting for. Oh, well, that's sure all you got? That's all you're going to say to that? I'm, well, I'm just saying the whole Laura's going to come, basically that Laura's going to be the deuce ex machina that's going to come in and turn this whole thing no, around. It's... Um, maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know if she's going to show up or not. She might, you know what it's going to be like? It feels like, like the cult leaders that are all waiting for the end of the world or waiting for the second coming and everyone's sitting around, you know, <laughs> with the tinfoil hats on their head and then he never shows up. I'm just waiting for Laura to show up. I don't want to be disappointed, Tom. I don't want to be disappointed. If she doesn't show up, that's her thing, you know, and that's her choice with David Lynch and Frost. But, uh, you know, if she shows up, I'll be very surprised because I mean, I've been waiting for a long time. Well, do you think that the mysterious hum that we've heard in the Great Northern with Ben and Beverly? Ooh, I was just going to ask you that. Well, I'm yeah, going to ask so. you, my friend, that James was in that furnace room, which really reminded me of the boiler room scene in uh, in the original series, the uh, European pilot and then in Cooper's Dream, where we saw that. But he was following that sound, which had returned. We didn't hear it uh, in the previous Ben Horn scene, but now here it is in the furnace room, and then he is led to this door. Now, what do you think maybe that significance is? Well, I mean, I think it does tie into the hum and that that's the hum that's been reverberating. I mean, it could be like, you know, it could be Josie's soul. It could be Signorita Dido. It could be Laura. It could be, but I think it's a positive vibe, even though I think James is scared because of it looks scary creeping around down there. But the the hum that we know is like a pleasant hum, I think. So I believe Lynch is going to do the old switcheroo where we think it's going to be terrifying, but that we open the door and it's going to be some benevolent spirit that's somehow in there. Do you- or something. That's you positive. think that's what it is? Because when I think about like a door, a mysterious door, I go back to part seven at the farm. Well, not the farm, but the farmer's, you know, uh, his house when he was supposed to meet with Andy and he never showed up. And then Lynch cut back and that door was open and he crept in and we had the 
you know, ominous sound and we never got a call back to that. Do you think we're going to actually get an answer to what is in the Great Northern related to that hum? Or is that just more mood? Yes. No, I think, I mean, I could totally see it. Just that's it, that we never see what's behind the door. <laughs> that's all what's that shows us. But no, I think, I think, yeah, I think, I swear, I think there's something here at the end that there's going to be, he's starting to put in these redemptive characters, these positive vibes coming in from the White Lodge. And I think that's another positive vibe, um, whether it's, a, you know, a literal Lodge spirit. But it, hey, dude, that could be, it could be Laura, man. I don't know. But I think it's going to be positive. It's not going to be like Bob creeping behind a corner. Or a woodsman, like, waiting to tear James's head off. Because James and uh, Sykesy there outside, they're kind of pure souls themselves, you know? Like, I think James gets a little bit of a bad rap. <laughs> and the other guy was, you know, a down-to-his-luck kind of guy. He hasn't really done much with his life. But, dude, he's a, he got a pure spirit, and he's trying to turn his life around. And his story was amazing. So I think, yeah, that the, the good spirit and their good energy would conjure good energy in that behind that door. One thing about NATO, we compared her, or we thought maybe there might be a correlation between Judy, but we have not had a mention of Judy. Obviously, we've had many mentions of Laura Palmer. She's, you know, been haunting the storyline from the original, you know, series. Um, what if that NATO is somehow connected to Laura? Now, the only reason why I say that is because when Cooper returned in part three to that purple room, that he saw the American girl and the American girl was played by Renette Pulaski. Now that could have been any character. Lynch chose to bring back Phoebe Augustine in that particular location in a separate room or in a different room um, in the same place. My thinking is, and, and this is just like pure speculation. They're just throwing you know shit against the wall or whatever. But the NATO character, we know that Laura was obviously taken from the lodge and went on some kind of journey. What if she went on a similar journey that Cooper went on? And I was positing that it was maybe similar that, that she was taken to earth and she was living a life like Cooper's living as Dougie and not knowing who she was. But what if she went on a different journey and wound up in that same room and just has like a different diet, I, you know, a physical form, like blinded somehow. Um, and that could be, you know, mean so many, you know, things subtextually. But my question to you is, is it possible that NATO somehow is connected to Laura Palmer? Yeah, well, I think that all these beacons of like the the White Lodge is laying out their little players on the the battlefield here at Twin Peaks, and I think that Laura and NATO are White Lodge uh, spirits or positive souls, along with Freddie and, and Andy, and I guess Hawk and the, the Bobby. So yeah, I think that they are connected. I don't know if necessarily that they are the same person, but at some point. It seems like either Lynch is going to either reveal somehow a doppel lore that looks just like her on Earth or in some sort of plane where she's interacting and making things better um, or that she's going to inhabit another character. And it very well could be Nate because we're running out of time. Right. Um, but I never, I had not thought of that. So that's very interesting. But dude, the whole thing about it still baffles me and stupefies me that they put her in the fucking cell with the other two crazy <laughs> guys, especially when she needed to be safe and not to tell anybody. So let's put it in with these two insane maniacs. Um, so if there has to be something with that dynamic, I would think, right. That we're going to see, and maybe that'll reveal Laura. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, I, like I, I said, the something's up with NATO for sure. Yeah. I just, like I said, the only reason why I put that together was it just, I didn't think about it at the time when we saw, um, the American girl played by, you know, the actress who played Renette Pulaski. But it just, 
there might be something to that. It might be just here's here's like you know like uh, the Beatles song "Glass Onion." You know, uh, you know here's another clue for you all. The, the Walrus was Paul. You know, so you know Lynch. You know, maybe you know David Nevins, the president of Showtime, told us you have to watch very, very, very carefully. You know, there are clues in places that you know you wouldn't think there are clues, and here we have four more hours and. You know, we're, you know, there's still so much that, you know, is going to transpire. But I think after the series ends, we're all going to go back and watch it again from beginning to end. And there'll be things that like, well, ah, these these light bulb moments. And that's the genius of Lynch. And that's why his, you know, his whole, you know, au revoir has, has been, you know, re, you know, reassessed at various times and, and you know, meticulously, meticulously like poured over because there are so many like, you know, rabbit holes and details and the the fact that he never wants to, you know, give you concrete answers. He presents you a dream and he lets you to interpret the dream. That's why I think a lot of these, these little vignettes that there, there's these little rabbit holes. I think it's part of his unified theory. I think it's tied to the greater whole, but he's not going to give us any concrete answers. And it leads into the roadhouse scene from the last episode, which I want to talk about related to possibly Audrey. We finally got two characters sitting in that same booth talking about very similar things like, you know, drugs, but also mentioning characters that were mentioned by Audrey and might be related to that accident scene outside of the double R diner. Well, yeah, and they could be describing Billy, who's the crazy motherfucker in the jail cell, drilling blood out of his mouth and nose, chirping like a crazy bird. Uh, it could very well be him, you know, or that or the Billy could be affected by the same zombie disease or whatever it is that's affecting, that it seemed to have affected the, the girl outside the roadhouse uh, or outside the double R diner who was freaking out in the car with her mother or her aunt or whoever the fuck that was, vomiting. They all look like, dude, they look like zombies. Like, they are not human. Something is wrong. They, something has inhabited these people. And so it felt like, uh, you know, hearing that conversation at the Roadhouse, which I loved, I loved the two actors. I thought it was really great. Um, you know, the mention of the nut house and, you know, getting high in my room. I thought that was so Twin Peaks classic stuff. It made me think of like, is the nut house where Audrey is? I don't know what that, what the correlation is by the mention. I mean, we had, did we have mentioned of nut houses like two or three times? Chad mentions it. They mention it in the Roadhouse. They also can't remember. Is the uncle there? Is he not? The uncle. Who the fuck is the well, remember that accident scene? The reason why I bring that up is because that that the honking woman, um, she was uh, saying hysterically how they're late for dinner. They're supposed to meet, I think, the people in the van, uh, you know, the, where the kid shot the gun that, you know, uh, you know, blasted through the double R. I think that they were going to the same location. And she kept on saying, you know, we're late. You know, she's supposed to meet her uncle. She hasn't seen him in a long time. So I think that those characters are, are related to not only the characters that Audrey is discussing with Charlie, but that these two characters of the Roadhouse in this last episode may Megan and Sophie are discussing. And I don't think that it plays into like, you know, the narrative. I don't believe that the, the character in the cell is Billy. I know that he's bleeding from the face and, you know, and we know that, you know, Audrey had a dream and, and the character Megan at the roadhouse mentioned something very similarly, but I think it's tied in more thematically with what's going on, not only in the community with all this darkness, but I think also with, um, the, um, the 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 the, re, the different realities you know or the dream within a dream that might be 
you know, occurring not only in Twin Peaks, but affecting, you know, you know, the, the you know, Las Vegas and Buckhorn. I mean, Cole is having a dream without in, in a dream. Now we know about, you know, maybe Janie E being complicit with Diane and maybe being manufactured herself and that reality not being a reality. So I, for me, it's more thematic, but I loved it because it finally had some context and it gave, you know, me some like fat to chew on. And I think that, it, it, it obviously it's related to Audrey in some you know fashion, and I think we're going to get Audrey again. But I don't think it's going to be this soap opera moment where we see Audrey and Billy, and it's like you know I love you or I want to leave my husband Charlie. It's nothing like that. It's more like I said, thematic and dealing with identity and reality. Dude, I think Billy's fucked. I think Billy's not coming back, buddy. <laughs> There's no going to be making up with Audrey. Billy's dead or he's been inhabited by these zombie bugs, woodsmen, I don't know, Doppel, Tulpa, whatever you want to call them, that I feel that there's that those guys are real, that there's something that has inhabited people, the citizenry of Twin Peaks, and it's slowly overtaking uh, people, and that we're seeing examples of that, and that it's not a metaphor. So you and I defer on that. That's interesting. We'll see how Well, part out. 15 is entitled, There's Some Fear in Letting Go. So A, who do you think might you know, utter that line and B, you know, what do you, you know, what, what, what does that mean to you? I would think maybe Cooper's going to die, like you said, or get shot. And they were like, there's some or the one or the man's going to show up and either he's going to die and end up in the lodge or in some trapped in some space where the, he has to, he has to let go of that. I, I mean, what else, but you know what, that's what we think. And I think it's so obvious. It's not going to be at all tied into anything. Probably. You mean it'll be like someone climbing a ladder, someone climbing a ladder and there's some fear letting go. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It probably won't be tied into anything integral, but obviously it makes us feel like this is the episode where Dale Cooper is going to reemerge and that we are going to let go finally of Dougie. Right. I think that there's going to be something probably at the end of this episode um, leading into 16 where Cooper has a moment of awakening, but I don't think it's going to be as simple as like, you know, someone saying something or, you know, him seeing something. I think it's going to be this, this, this huge moment, um, this, maybe this, this dramatic moment that unfolds that, you know, he's a part of, um, and whether it's in this reality or it's him, you know, going to the Black Lodge and seeing the one-armed man or being, you know, visited by the firemen, something like that. And the whole Vegas subplot, I think, is going to wrap up here probably at the end of this next episode. And that'll leave us like three hours with, you know, coming back and and, and maybe spending our entire time in, in Twin Peaks. I just think that this episode is, I think, also going to maybe be an extension of... Cole's dream, his Monica Bellucci dream, because, I mean, he spent five minutes of screen time telling us this dream, this the ancient story of the Upanishads and how it's related to Cooper and Jeffries and who is the dreamer and the whole notion of Hastings, it was a dream. And Belushi, I had this dream. If there's a cherry pie in this box, we can't kill him. It means he's on our side. It's just, it's so overwhelming to me. Audrey, yeah, had, a Audrey had a dream. It's just, it's all, I think, coming to a head. And I don't think that we're going to see some, like, you know, benevolent spirit or malevolent spirit, like having this dream and all of the little subsets, you know, the dreams or whatever. The one thing that I did think of, 
um, just the other day just popped into my head because we have not had a scene since I want to say part five or maybe it was part seven where the cow jumped over the moon and Cooper called that mysterious black box in Argentina and it dissolved into that looked like a little piece of metal or something right maybe but what what if that black box somehow whether it's that black box or what it turned into we don't know why we don't know what but I always I always like kind of like tied that in with Jeffrey's because it's also in Buenos Aires and that's where he was in Firewalk with me. But what if that box somehow represents like, like the dreamer or a dream? Um, and like the, you know, Mr. C was communicating with Jeffries and Lorraine, the warrior was making the call to this black box. It's a dream maker. Yeah. It's like a dream machine. Something like that. And cause it's very similar to the monolith, right? In 2001, which yeah, which yeah, didn't represent a dream, but represented you know kind of like the 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 you know the uh, um, the aliens whatever the alien intelligence like intelligence for first the monkeys and then like it was a signal to Jupiter on the moon and then it represented you know the Stargate which led the the main character Dave Bowman to actually enter and and go into this you know realm and and ultimately go through the cycle of life and to be reborn within it so. I mean, it's all very abstract, but I just think that I'm not saying we're going to see that black box again, but the idea of the dreamer, Jeffries, and that black box, we uh, we might get some clue if we get a scene, and I highly suspect that we will, at whatever this Dutchman's is with Mr. C and or Jeffries, maybe Mike, maybe the fireman, maybe this black box. That might give us some answers as to what is kind of going on with uh, who this supposed dreamer is. Yeah, uh, I could see it completely going into like a 2001 type ending for the last two hours or something, or the last hour, you know, going into some sort of profound... um, you know, abstract explanation that really doesn't follow the narrative structure we've been following so far, but changes it. And then a lot of the stuff that we're mysteriously wondering about with our logical minds may be attempted to be answered by Lynch through visual interpretation of some kind and some abstract madness. But, you know, but I really think, you know, at this point, it's almost ridiculous to speculate on how it's going to turn out. Um, But I do think that uh, we are going to probably not, uh, we're going to go into the lodge or go into another time uh, reality that's not even I even think like whatever this final outcome may be final confrontation or challenge or whatever it is that Freddie and Andy and everybody are gearing up for it may very well not even uh, you know occur on earth yeah you know? no you, like you you might, twin peaks you yeah know? yeah I think you might be right I, I, I mean it's I, not gonna be a street fight it's not gonna be a vicious street <laughs> fight in front of the double R <laughs> with the woodsman coming down and them just punching people in the face. Freddie's got his green glove and he's just knocking out woodsman like a, a video game. You know, it's going to be some sort of weird <laughs> metaphysical shit, you know. But I do think that green glove is going to play a role. He's going to have to grab something or punch, grab an electrical because, you know, rubber, you know, negates electricity, you know, and, or he's got something where he's going to, I think Freddie's definitely, that glove is going to come Yeah, I think play. you're right. I think you, you that's a, a very um, a good idea that, the insinuation is is that he's going to have to use it like a pile driver somehow, but 
with what we know about electricity and you know the you know how prevalent it's been in this series that it very well may be that he somehow needs to i don't know what use that glove to stop some kind of we could maybe punch some sort of like uh you know light because think of it this way if you want to get rid of these guys don't you just shut down the power in twin peaks just shut down the electricity <laughs> wires you know so all i was gonna do is knock out the main reactor that's it right just take out the power plant that's great <laughs> huge explosion bob ever oh. all the woodsman spirits what? go up in the sky and then we're happy do you we're think that we're gonna have another like you know like bob scene like we're gonna see like bob like you know uh i'm not saying like outside yes. okay yeah yeah I, I do too i think that we're gonna yes. get another kind of bob moment um, whether w- within Mr. C or hopefully somehow if they could do it where he's actually like f- a physical, you know, um, like being like he was in the original series. Because, you know, th- so many of those scenes, like, you know, whether he was, remember when he's just walking in like the second episode of the uh, second season and with that maniacal laugh, yes. that's like my favorite like Bob moment. I mean, that was so, that was pure evil. I love to see, yeah, I love to see him moving around. I would love to see Bob. Bob, you know Bob. Who's Bob? Bob. That's <laughs> yeah. I want to see him out. I want to see him out and about in the lodge or wherever the hell. I want to see him on the playing field with everybody else. So let's see. Let's get it on. Right, ding, ding. Right. Do you have any final thoughts, uh, buddy, for this episode? No, we kind of ran long tonight, but I think it was warranted because Murphy and I, a, we didn't, you know, get a chance to talk about it. You know, the, the part fourteen ourselves, like on the phone this week, and uh, I think uh, you know there was such a, it was such a, a great episode, and I completely agree with you. This is uh, one that has been on an endless loop for me this past week and i just find it so utterly fascinating on so many different levels it just it really even though i I think i discussed this when on when i did the the solo podcast on sunday there weren't like a lot of scenes um in, in the episode you know but every single one of them just had this great like weight and there were great little like like the non sequitur scene of the the window washer which i thought was just such a yes fantastic yes dude we didn't even talk about that shit dude i still feel like that was some evil ass window washer no one washes windows like that i've done some squeegeeing in my day and that was some <laughs> some some lodging it was a woodsman <laughs> just trying to freak out cole going like we're just right here we're just a thin layer away from invading i feel like that the, all the portals and all the different spots in the world where they can come in the evil spirits are just bursting at the seams and that it's about to happen we're about to well, see also something. just real briefly did we didn't mention that brief interlude oh we did mention the the vegas with the madman character right the um that yeah that yes. was that was another little non sequitur moment that I I really love but yeah such a, a fantastic episode and I really think I think I explained that this is that was the beginning of the final act and here we are and we only have four more hours to go that it's really I'm not saying it's going to be this rapid pace like we got maybe in, in in part eleven at least the first half of part eleven but I think you know here we are FBI they've already Cole's already talked to Truman made the connection to Twin Peaks they know that there's a Douglas Jones and a Janie E in Las Vegas that's related to Diane and, you know, possibly Mr. C and obviously, you know, Major Briggs, like going there and the events unfolding in Twin Peaks with like Sarah Palmer and how that's going to resolve is just so utterly fascinating. And really the one thing we didn't talk about and we haven't really talked about because there's been really no reason to talk about, but I still
still firmly believe there's going to be at least one more scene with Leland. Leland's going to have some kind of role in these next four hours. It just makes sense because of what we're seeing with Sarah. And obviously we know all about Laura, that Leland is somehow going to play at least a minor role in this, this, the resolution of maybe his family. I don't think in the, the, the proper narrative, but I would love to see the great Ray Wise have at least one more scene instead of looking like kind of constipated like he looked in, in part two when he said, find Laura. So I do hope that we do see Leland, but uh, I'm really looking forward to, to part 15. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be a fantastic episode. Yep. Strap in, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are in our final act. And so really, I'm just going to sit back and not have any expectations and just take it in and appreciate it because we are going to miss this episode, this series when it's gone in a month. Um, so thanks for listening to you guys. I'm glad to be back in the conversation. You guys can keep uh, sending us your ideas, feedback, comments, anything to our Chopping Wood Pod uh, Twitter page and Facebook page, as well as our Chopping Wood Inside at gmail.com email site. You can follow us on Twitter or on YouTube, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Podcast Addict, a bunch of other platforms. Uh, until uh, next time, thanks for tuning in.